friend, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I'm amazing. How are you, my friend? Man, amazing on this Wednesday. We got, uh, well, this is what we do on Wednesday. We, uh, we, we, we just, uh, uh, well, we just talk about a bunch of amazing stuff. And, we talk uh, about amazing yeah, stuff. Sometimes it's yeah. one things happening in one area that are all amazing, and sometimes it's just a grab bag of amazing. And tonight we got a fun grab bag of amazing topics. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I could not for the life of me make these all into one topic because they're not right. The, yeah, you, you, sometimes we are, we're able to find the common thread and and uh, name our show accordingly. But here we just had to say, no, it's this, this, and this. So uh, ancient Martian fossils, self-growing computers, and flowers that cure cancer. So I guess they all have to do with life, you know. So it, it, could, it, could, it could be amazing biotech, but that's not much of a, you know, that's not much of a unifying <laughs> principle. Um, anyway, let's talk about this. Oldest fossil ever found on Earth shows that alien life on Mars is likely. What? And this was from <laughs> <laughs> this was from the Telegraph. Let's let's parse this, okay? Let's talk about the two amazing because uh, th- this one's doubly amazing. I think you have to agree. Right. Um, the uh, the fossils that have been found are bacteria-like organisms from 4.2 billion years ago. So, looking at a rock. Uh, microscopically looking at a rock, they have found structures that are apparently fossils of bacteria that lived some 4.2 billion years ago. Now, that's kind of interesting when you consider the age of the Earth, which is what, Stephen? Well, you see, I I, I read this in the article and go, what? And, you know, I was uh, was thinking that the Earth was just under 4 billion years old. So it's 4.2 billion years old, then you got something older than the Earth. So I Googled it. Google came back, uh, Earth is 4.543 billion years old. I I like this note that you took here. Earth is only... 4.543 4.543 billion years old. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, and the reason I... And the reason It I, doesn't look it. Hey, you know, it doesn't look a day yeah. over 2.75 billion years old. I just, yeah, I like right. the word only. Go, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, the, the reason I, you know, I, I find this fascinating, obviously, Phil, is that we're talking within, you know, a few hundred million years of the formation of the planet. I mean, the things, you know, I mean, the crust hasn't even, you know, completely solidified, right? I mean, we're talking... Uh, it's a, this is molten rock at this point and poisonous to everything we see around us right now. Right. And yet, and yet life in, in its simplest form uh, apparently uh, was already arising. So what does that tell us about where, you know, the possibility of arising elsewhere? Well, it just sort of opens up the possibility that, you know, maybe we're just not thinking broad enough uh, about uh, what life can handle. Um, you know, maybe there's uh, maybe there's bacterial life in uh, in the upper atmospheres of uh, of Venus, even or you know certainly uh, uh, it could have arisen on Mars because Mars was, you know, that long ago. Mars was very much like Earth that long ago. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the thing is, we don't view 
Earth of 4.2 billion years ago as being a particularly life-friendly environment. In fact, we yeah. don't see it as being any life-friendlier than a lot of other kooky <laughs> environments we encounter in, elsewhere in the solar system. The bottom line is that's not the Earth that we know and love and that we expect uh, life to be on. I, I, just did the, I just did the math on that. Over what percentage of time, assuming this is the oldest, oldest life that exists, over what percentage of Earth's life has there been life on it? 93%. Oh, I, I yeah. You know. It's a long time. Now, I mean, I, I suppose... Earth was brand new and, you know, wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and started spouting cool. life. The first, yeah, the first opportunity. Um, here's life. Well, and, and you know, I, I wonder if uh, it's possible that we had more, more than one instance of biogenesis. Um, if, you know, if perhaps uh, that... Maybe the the bacteria that was was you know trying and trying itself out right uh, that mm -hmm. long ago, if uh, you know maybe it didn't quite make it, and uh, you know another couple hundred million years pass, and then uh, here it comes again. Uh, you know who knows? It, it this could, could have be been the biogenesis that led to the tardigrades. For those who listen to every episode, right? So there you go. That's right. right. They're still around. Very 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 strange little organism that. Uh, it's uh, we we you know I don't know about that one. That doesn't fit in very well with life on. Just planet. doesn't fit in. Right. <laughs> I don't know if there were two by two on the uh, on the ark. It's, you know, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the tardigrade. But anyway, um, yeah, that that's an amazing story, Phil, and and sort of uh, opens up the possibility. Pretty much, if you got liquid water someplace um, and 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 an energy source. You know, if you you could have the potential, uh, you you know have to have you have to have some uh, amino acids and some other precursors, and you have to have water, we think, and you have to have energy. Uh, but beyond that, I th I think you pretty much uh, you can do it. Uh, life can happen, and that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Yeah, what what they say here, I think, really really gets my attention is that if you look at Earth of that era and you look at Mars of that era, very similar as you mentioned. They, they yeah. were very similar environments. Mars had oceans at the time. Um, they had a much thicker atmosphere than they currently do. They were being hit by comets all the time, like we were at that time, um, which probably, as it says, brought the building blocks of life to Earth. It also means that uh, both Earth and Mars were spewing off stuff that ended up on either planet. Right, so uh, those those comets hit, and asteroids, excuse me, uh, meteors get hurled off Earth to Mars, and vice versa. So not only is it possible that we might find life of this approximate kind from this approximate era on Mars, it's possible we might find this exact life, because it's you know it's yeah. not outside the realm of possibility that what we're finding here came from Mars, or that we sent some of this to Mars. Um, it's 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 a case of not only similar uh, biogenesis, but it's it, it's entirely possible that that what you've got here is an argument for panspermia, for the well, idea you that can, you have a much more chaotic solar system back then, right? Yeah. I mean, you got yeah. rocks flying here and there, and uh, and periodically uh, connecting with one of these uh, planets, and uh, and then spewing bacterial life into the uh, into the solar system and where it could easily come to uh, come to rest on the other planet. You're right, and uh, yeah. so and it just it just reinforces the idea that look, if life was all that rare and all that hard to do on a four and a half billion year old planet, you would expect life to have started when 
about yeah, been, four billion lighter. years in, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, much no. lighter. Yeah, maybe we wouldn't even be there yet. Maybe it would take ten billion years, but it doesn't. You know, life shows up fast. And by the way, this is just the earliest fossil we've found so far, right? I mean, it's it's hard to find fossils of anything earlier than that. It's just it's hard to find rocks that old, right? Because right. <laughs> everything ends up going through volcanoes and stuff like that. But this suggests there could have been life on Earth from day one. You know that uh, that that um, it could just be that our solar system is preceded with the, the capability for life. It really took off on Earth. Maybe it had a chance on Mars. Maybe it had a chance on some of these other spaces. Could exist in some of these other places. It's, um, it's, it's hard to make the case that it, it was anywhere nearly as successful elsewhere as it has been on Earth, any, anywhere in our solar system. But this speaks to a very different history than we were taught in school. Um, a very different history of life on this planet and a very different uh, potential history of life elsewhere in the universe. And, you know, you just, you read this and you go, give me more. I, w- I want to hear more of this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, this and, is uh, it's, it, about it's, as awesome uh, as it gets. And, and, you know, it makes us want to go fishing in places like Europa, right? I mean, we want to go, go ice fishing um, find, and see if there's anything down there. Or, uh, and certainly go to Mars and check out the, their rocks and see if anything ever was there. And, uh, yeah, it, there's, it's just... Uh, uh, you know, it seems like uh, the, it, it's almost like the mission of science to uh, to open our eyes to the to the larger universe, right? I mean, it's like uh, uh, once once upon a time we thought Earth was the center of everything, and you know, it, and, and you know, we learned that's not the case. I, I think uh, that that process will continue as we as we find evidence of life elsewhere. And uh, so, and it, you it's know, it's, it's interesting they mentioned Mars. Uh, we don't know nearly as much about Venus, but there was a time when it wasn't nearly as hostile an environment as, as it is now. You know, before the greenhouse gases, early early in its history. Uh, I wonder if uh, who knows what we if we ever develop the capability to get down there and look around. Who knows what we might find on Venus in terms of yeah. what was going on in its early stages? It might have had a real head start on life over uh, both of its you know near near neighbor planets and. Uh, we we just ended up being in the Goldilocks position there, huh? Just I right. guess so. Yeah, yeah. interesting. And and it'd be interesting to see what uh, what we find on Europa too. Yeah, I agree with you, Stephen. We we just need to send some more probes out and and settle this thing once and for all. Because I'm really starting to get curious. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if Definitely. for no other reason, let's explore the let's let's explore the solar system so Phil can find out. Okay, uh, how a little about this? closer to home. The next one, huh? Yeah, a little bit closer to home and just a wonderful uh, story, which just goes to show you how different two amazing stories can be. University of Windsor Lab uses compound inspired by spider lily to kill cancer cells. So this is awesome. Um, Basically, um, they've uh, created a lab-synthesized drug based on an extract from the common spider lily. It's a plant, and it kills 20 varieties of cancer cells. Um, And it's, it's very specific. It's going after the mitochondria, of different cancer cells, and it's causing these cells to commit suicide. Um, yeah. And it has no effect on normal cells because they got a different they got a different mitochondria. This is a this is well, an awesome and, and, way to hit and cancer. And what if what if uh, we were able to replace? Uh, it mentions a particular chemotherapy drug, Taxol. Mm-hmm. Very very toxic uh, chemotherapy drug. You know, it's one of the people and one of the reasons that people get so sick when they have chemotherapy is how toxic toxic it is to the rest of their bodies. 
It's almost right. like, you know, uh, well, this is going to almost kill you, but we, we feel certain it'll kill the cancer. That's kind of the way they're going into it, right? Yes. Uh, and um, what if you're able to replace something that's uh, very toxic like that uh, with something that just aims directly at the cancer, tells the cancer to, you know what, you need to off yourself. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, you just, and it just flushes out of your system. What, I mean, what a fantastic, fantastic uh, way to go about this. And, you know, and, you know, 20 different varieties of cancer cells. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there are thousands of types of cancer, uh, uh, Phil, but uh, uh, that, that's very promising that they found 20 that it's already showing uh, some, uh, you know, uh, some abilities to fight, right? So, yeah, well, absolutely. And if this trick works, if this proves to be an effective way to go, um, all of those different thousands of kinds, they all got mitochondria too. There's, there's right. something you can tweak there's something it to, that, you tweak it to fight it all. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's there's a, something. If if not this particular thing, there's something that could go in there and potentially do something similar with with their mitochondria. What's great about this, to me, you know, following up on what you just said, is this is fighting fire with fire. What is cancer? It's a parasite. You know, right. it comes into your body and it takes over. Um, it, you know, it, it it uses your 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 core functions against you. This is, this is what parasites do. And we've talked about these really bizarre examples in nature where these really clever parasites, you know, induce all kinds of behavior in the hosts and, and do all kinds of things with them to, you know, basically just make them subservient to their task. Well, this is, this is great because basically what you're doing here is you're going in and you're pulling a parasite trick on a parasite. You're going in and you're just kicking, you know, flipping a switch in there, very similar to the kind of switches that parasites flip. And it's a real simple one. It says, you know what? Time to die. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as simple of, of, of an instruction as you can give. And since the mitochondria apparently, you know, if you think of it as a machine, it has that instruction written into its code. All you got to do is give it and it kills itself. Kills itself, doesn't touch the healthy tissue, and then the healthy tissue is free to live and thrive. This is, you know, we've, we've talked about so many wonderful ways to treat cancer, but it's hard to imagine a better, a better way of doing it than this oh. if if those 20 can be expanded and if this you know if this actually proves effective in clinical settings this uh just well, one more cure for cancer I, I guess i put it that way yeah i guess so throw it on the stack and see which one uh, actually does and and that's something we've talked about many times that uh you know it's well you know another day another cure for cancer well when are we ever going to cure cancer well thing is we are getting better and better at fighting yeah. cancer uh people that uh uh, uh, people that would have died, uh, you know, uh, for sure, just a few years ago, are 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 surviving now, and and in larger numbers than ever before. So we're making progress, and uh, you know, um, it's to me, it's it's encouraging. Uh, the weight of all of these things can uh, 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 will deliver for us, uh, a, you know, ultimately a cure for it all. And and here's the thing, I, here this is kind of a big aside here, Phil, but I. Um, I, I, let me throw this out as a possibility. Okay. Every, every type of disease you can think of, Phil, except for traumatically induced disease, you know, like um, uh, a concussion or something like that or a broken bone, every type, type of disease you can think of, whether it be cancer or it be um, bacterial infection or it be a virus, all mm -hmm. of it is bad code. Right. Every bit of it. Every yep. bit of it is bad code. And the better we get at dealing with bad code in our bodies, the closer we get to, I mean, a completely healthy future. And I think that there's a possibility that, you know, 
all of these things that we're doing, you know, all of the things that uh, we're going after to help us with cancer ends up helping us, you know, win the, win the battle against uh, bacterial infections, which, you know, we really need, we really need a solution to that because we're, we're losing the, um, the arms race. Um, with uh, antibiotics, uh, just right. are becoming uh, more and more ineffective against that stuff. So, what do we need to do? We need to battle it at this level, at the right. level of code. And that's uh, right. Anyway, I, I just that, thought I'd throw that out there. Well, I think it's true. It's why de- technologies like CRISPR are so important. It, it, right. This, this this ability to literally go in and write genetic code for ourselves um, provides us the the best potential path to ultimately fighting bacterial infection and and you can you can see where something like CRISPR technology would fit in really well here maybe maybe going in and and tweaking that spider lily or the uh, uh, you know the, the compound that it's uh, that it's based on um, or, or even tweaking the code of the cancer I mean there's there's all you know to make it more receptive to to the drug there's all kinds of different ways this can uh, this can pan out ultimately what we want is we want human genomes that are just completely resistant to the cancer, right? That just right. inherently, you you know, they're, they're kind of built-in resistance to the uh, to the bacteria, built-in resistance to to cancer cells, and, that, and that's a ways off. But you can start to see hints of that, and you can start to see that there's hope for that by looking at stories like this, can't you? Yeah. So big deal. All right. Well, we got uh, we got one more big one. What's our what's our next story, Stephen? Scientists reveal new superfast form of computer that grows as it computes. Now, Phil, we've we've talked in the past uh, on not as often as some of the subjects we talk about, but we've mentioned the possibility of DNA computing before. Right, it's been a while. Right, I think it's been a while since we've had a story really to talk about in this. But uh, um, I'm hopeful that this story is. Uh, 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 under-promising and over-delivering, but uh, it might be the other way around. What do, what do you think? Well, I, I, if we start we, just we, with the concept of DNA describe. computing, I, I think that yeah. is a, you know, the potential there is enormous, right, for DNA computing, because that really is a nanotech computer when you talk about a DNA molecule being used as, as a computer. Definitely, this is a direction that we want to go, and the idea that the computer grows as it computes is very interesting to me. I had never heard... Uh, this described in those terms in, in those terms before, but uh, the um, one of the researchers behind this this work that they're doing describes this as kind of similar to a quantum computer. He says that um, you know a, a regular digital computer, regular electronic computer that we use um, doesn't do well with situations where you branch out and there could be this this could be true or that could be true, and you know exploring both at the one at the same time. It, it it tries to solve for one, then it tries to solve for the other. A quantum computer, as we know, can solve for both at the same time. Well, according, according to uh, this researcher, a DNA computer can do that too because it will just grow uh, you know, new computing capability to explore both possible outcomes of the, of the problem that's, that's, being, uh, that's being explored. In that sense, I think this is very exciting. I think the idea that... Um, that, that we can have, you know, computers at the molecular level um, that are growing like living things is a really intriguing idea. Where this story breaks down for me is the description of this process being super fast, being much faster than any technology that's uh, that's available 
currently. And it could just be that I'm a, you know, a silicon bigot and I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm prejudiced against my own substrate here. But it's hard for me to imagine that, you know, that DNA can reproduce as quickly as um, electrical impulses can move through silicon, right? I mean, that, that that's what I'm picturing here, and I don't see how that could possibly happen. That that doesn't that part doesn't feel right to me. But it could just be that either this story has truncated it and we don't understand it very well, or maybe we just don't understand at the scale we live at how fast things happen on the molecular level. Uh, you, you know, those are both uh, th- those those are both possibilities, but. Yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Uh, can, can you have a super fast DNA computer? That, that was not ever the advantage I thought of for DNA computing. Yeah, I mean, uh, think, think of the uh, history of life on, on the planet. Uh, I think I'm finding a common thread, by the way. Oh, I'm, hey, I'm, all right. Uh, Stephen, go. And the history of life on the planet. Anyway, you know, uh, how does, how does uh, life work? Well, does it just choose one thing to do and do it? No, no. I mean, it, <laughs> it throws everything against the wall. And then, you know, a uh, whole species and a whole, you know, uh, uh, you know, will go extinct because that wasn't quite, that wasn't the solution to the problem, right? And, right. And, and so, uh, and, and survival of the fittest and, uh, you know, and, and nature continues to search for the fittest. I mean, that's, and it's not a, it, it's not done yet. It continues to search for the fittest all, all the time. So that's, uh, but you know what? That's not fast though, is it? I mean, we don't we don't get we don't get new species, uh, you know, uh, all the time. Uh, you know, here's here's the latest offering by Mother Nature, right? It does, you know, we don't get that on a uh, on a quarterly basis, right? Right. Um, it's uh, it's a slow process. So I, when I think of uh, of DNA molecules uh, trying out different things, I think of it on that scale of time, and you know, so I'm kind of with you. I'm having a little a little trouble. Uh, thinking uh, uh, about the way that it, this would work. The truth is, um, you know what? We need to see a pro- We need to see an actual product, you know, uh, that uh, utilizes this and uh, and some killer app that it can do that uh, traditional uh, computers can't. And uh, hey, if if uh, if these guys are right, then uh, I'll 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 be first in line to say, you know what? I, I doubted you. I shouldn't have. But uh, it's it's. Uh, it, I don't know. What do you, it, it's just uh, I have some doubts, uh, but uh, you know. Well, I share those. I, I I have them too. Although I think, as as I'm listening to you talk, I wonder if it really isn't just a question of not only scale but kind of substrate, because yeah, yeah. it does take a long time for DNA to produce, um, you know, new iterations of organisms. But then that's because organisms are these big, complicated things, right? Obviously, right. inside the the context of a computer. It's not producing new organisms. It's just hey, th- producing think about, new, you know, new new molecules, right? It's just it's, well, think about the bacterial uh, arms race with the antibiotics yeah. again, right? I mean, uh, how fast does that evolution happen? You know, right? Extreme, yeah. uh, faster than we would like, that's for sure, because yeah. uh, the life is coming up with a different alternative way around our back, uh, our antibiotics, and th- and it happens very quickly. So maybe, maybe we, you know, exactly, maybe our, uh, the scale of what we're talking about, we're not talking about nature producing a new Tyrannosaurus Rex. We're talking about something uh, at the molecular level, and maybe that can happen fast. Yeah, I I think, well, definitely it would happen, you know, clearly you can produce a few molecules a lot faster than you can produce a T-Rex, right, or or the next version of a T-Rex. So there's no question about that. It's still, 
because we associate DNA with those slow, gradual changes, I guess it's hard to get it's hard to get our heads around the, the idea that um, that they could be the basis for doing computing um, that fast. But now, now that we've talked through it a little bit, I'm you know I, I'm I'm less skeptical than I was. But I I still want to hear more. I, actually, what I'm going to do is it says in this article that it's been it's already been established that that a DNA computer can be exponentially faster. So I'm going to follow that link, read up on that, and report back. Next time we do a uh, computing speed or a DNA computer show, we'll, we'll talk about that. But definitely this is, uh, this is encouraging for another reason, which is that our bodies are full of DNA, right? And if you want to talk yeah. about uh, um, actually tying it back into our show on Monday, uh, you know, if we're going to merge with the machines one day, this would be a great kind of machine to merge with, right? Because <laughs> it's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very close to us anyway, right? So yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd be awfully easy to incorporate that kind of computing into our bodies. You don't have to bring in new power sources. Uh, you don't have to bring in uh, weird foreign interfaces. I mean, you, you know, th- those things would be would be necessary. But the whole thing could be organic in a way that a silicon computer never could be. So this form of computing, whatever its ultimate speed might be, and we'll check on that, definitely is a great fit for you know, just interfacing with humans. You can forget about the, uh, uh, at some point, you can forget about the iWatch or the Google Glass or any of that kind of stuff, right? If you've got DNA doing the computing, you can, you can pretty much have uh, whatever you need built right in. On board, that's right. That's right. Okay, well, there you go. I think that does it. We've talked about ancient Martian fossils and potentially alien fossils, self-growing computers, and flowers that cure cancer. This has been a fun and amazing show. We're going to bring it back next time, Stephen, on Friday. We're going to talk about a world that might have been. So you're all going to want to be here for that. Great talking with you, Stephen. Great being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. (laughs) 